0: Welcome in. It's the Holy Grail BCJ podcast right here on BearcatJournal.com. And it's the week we've all been waiting for, David. It is NY6 Bowl Week. The Bearcats navigated an undefeated season, and now is the payoff. They get the Georgia Bulldogs at noon on Friday in the Peach Bowl you're not in Atlanta make your way to the Holy Grail watch party the final basketball or football watch party of the year at the Holy Grail for the Cincinnati Bearcats and uh, I would recommend heading to the Grail getting there a little early getting some lunch maybe some Reuben wontons, some wings some pizza and watching the Bearcats take on the Bulldogs and we are going to break down all things cincinnati and georgia uh, here over the next hour or so
1: don't forget the cold beers
0: cold beers yeah cold beers holy grail cold beers we're gonna break down all things cincinnati and georgia over the next hour or so um uh, there's supposed to be some official word on the things we've been talking about on the basketball board maybe not all of them but some of them uh Once the coach's show starts at 8, that's a half hour, 25 minutes from now, uh, we are recording Wednesday night at 7.30. So we'll get to that towards the end of the show as that will then become topical. Um, All of that stuff has been on the basketball board since last evening. So, uh, or what can be, has been on the basketball board since last last evening. Um,
1: I'm waited with faded breath.
0: Yeah, I know. I'm sure you are. Bird taking the week off. (laughs) Bird taking the week off. We'll get Bird back next week as we get into things. Does
1: this mean I have to talk about basketball? Yeah, you do today. Oh, man. You didn't tell me
0: this. We're not doing like segments on it. Like what's there to talk about? They haven't played. (laughs) We don't even have losses to talk about right now. So you can handle a little bit of basketball talk. Anyway, Bearcats, Bulldogs, Peach Bowl. My feeling: uh, we've got one more press conference. we got
1: a, What else is there to say? There, there is, is a. We heard from half the team, three coaches. Um, is the are the mascots meeting with the media tomorrow? Like Uga and the Bearcat are gonna take questions. I mean, what else do they possibly have to talk about?
0: There is a Luke Fickle Kirby Smart joint press conference tomorrow morning at 9 30.
1: But they're be in separate rooms because it'll be on Zoom, right? I would assume <laughs> so. I
0: would assume so. Or they're at
1: like each end of each, two yeah. eight foot tables. Like, yeah. You know.
0: I, I don't know exactly how that's going to look, but there is.
1: I guess this is that, what happens when you play in bowl games that people actually give a shit about.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, now there is one final press conference. Uh, tomorrow so we'll see how that goes um the georgia folks are really confident dave really really confident it's wait until you see the answers to on the five questions article that's going to run tomorrow yeah wait until you see some of the things that that and i he seems like a nice enough guy uh mike griffith from the atlanta journal constitution dogs nation so the Georgia, Georgia beat writer. He is uh you want me to you want me to give you a preview and read you some stuff?
1: Yeah, since I wrote him.
0: Uh, let's see. I'm scanning here. Uh, in a word, you asked about JT Daniels. Yes. In a word, JT has brought greatness. Great to the quarterback, greatness to the quarterback position.
1: Well, cool. I mean, greatness. Are we comparing that to the play they saw prior to him?
0: Because if so, then I, I get it. Then the, sure,
1: because Stetson Bennett III the third couldn't couldn't see the practice squad at UC. So, I mean. Let's be real. Yeah, yeah. And DeJuan Dewan Mathis, your f- opening day starter, is transferred to Temple. We know, <laughs> how, we know how that's been going.
0: <laughs> um, there's a, a, a fitting description of of how bad Georgia dominated Baylor in a twenty six to fourteen. Uh, game a couple years in the sugar bowl.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, that they, they were, they were 19 and now oh, it was 19, nothing at halftime. And they, they just ran the clock out. Yeah. They weren't looking, they weren't looking to, uh, to, to score
1: anymore in that game no. really. Mm-mm. Just get off, um, get off the field and get back to Athens.
0: And if, you know, if, if JT Daniels had been healthy at the start of the season, the Bulldogs would be playing for a national title.
1: Yeah, Not anyway. could. Not could, nope. Nope.
0: would, would. So he told me yesterday on radio that he he hope, basically hopes Cincinnati can keep it uh, from being a complete and total laugher. Okay. That's and cool. he, he apologized because he said he really pulls for Cincinnati to do well. That's cool. Uh, but this Georgia team is just too good for Cincinnati to handle.
1: All right. that's Hey, that's fine. Fine by me.
0: <laughs> let's 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 get into it uh i i usually this is where scouting report wise i turn this over to you you have uh done the research done the homework dug in on the georgia bulldogs and what is your uh general takeaway uh, where are you heading this podcast when it comes to previewing georgia
1: um, i'm excited because this is the first opponent that UC has played this year that I think is uh on the same playing field as them. So, you know, when you start out looking at things like SP Plus, Georgia's eighth, UC's ninth, offensively they're 21st, UC's 23rd, defensively they're first, UC's fifth. I mean, it's like basically A coin flip game, as far as that's concerned. Looking at other metrics, FPI has Georgia 4th, UC 16th. Efficiency overall, Georgia's 5th, UC's 13th. Um, Offense is 13th for Georgia, 25th for UC. And then defense, UC's 12th, Georgia's 13th. UC's ahead of them in strength of record and game control. But, I mean, it's like, they're very... Comparable teams, um, Georgia has – I don't think I'm going to get much pushback from the sense of – if you just go player for player, they're <clears> – <throat> I mean, they're elite. Very, very good. <laughs> I mean, very, very good. You want to you laugh? Here's their last four uh, class r- rankings in recruiting starting with the 2020 class, which would be freshmen this year going backwards four classes. First, second, first, third. It's pretty good. Yeah. So they've got a good. lot of dudes that I think uh, can play and will play on Sundays. But that doesn't mean in a one game situation that they are a better team, that they have a better coaching staff, that they have more cohesion, that, the, you know, all those things that we think, um, you know, highly of UC, that doesn't necessarily equate to wins, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So I'm sorry, I'm looking at something to kind of go off of the, I want, that I wanted to look at. <laughs> okay, so since since Mike thought that JT Daniels brought greatness to the quarterback position, just a quick little look of the three teams that Georgia has beaten. Since JT Daniels was installed as the starting quarterback, uh, they beat Mississippi State, who was I think had 45 scholarship players that game. They beat them 31 to 24 and Mississippi state is the 61st defense nationally in SP plus. Then they beat South Carolina 45, 16 who had already fired Will Muschamp. Their defense is 89th nationally in SP And then they finished off the three game win streak that they're on with a 49 to 14 win over Missouri. Whose defense is 59th in SP plus. So, while J.G. Daniels has been very good, I will tell, give him that 67% uh, completion percentage, nine touchdowns to one interception. He's developed uh, great chemistry, especially with um, George Pickens at receiver, who is your prototype 6'3, big, fast, long outside receiver. Uh, your prototype number one guy should be a great matchup with uh, Ahmad Gardner. But let's pump the brakes a little bit on like how great he's been and take into consideration who they've been playing and how low the floor was when he came in to the game. Um, that's not to take away from His play has been very, very good. But this wasn't against Alabama. This wasn't even against Florida. This wasn't against Texas A&M. It wasn't against anybody that you would even put in the top half of the sec so i'm i'm not like they have dudes they're like there there's always the chance that yeah they could just ball up and ball out and it's a shit show because they just have a bunch of four and five star guys and it doesn't matter but i just don't know that i'm going to that i see this defense just all of a sudden just having guys run by them, just looking pedestrian, looking totally outmatched, totally outclassed. Um, The one area I do have some concern, and I wanted to get your take on this from a schematic standpoint, is against the run. They are very, very similar to UC, and they want to line up and they want to big boy you and just beat you down physically. And they have... Five running backs that all average over 5.5 yards per carry. And you know, led by Zaire White or Zamir White, 5.6 yards to carry, 10 touchdowns. He's their leading rusher. In a sad turn of events, uh, James Cook, who is Delvin Cook of the Vikings' brother, their dad tragically passed away yesterday. So he will not be playing. He's their second leading rusher and is also a very good receiver out of the backfield. So he won't be there, but they have three other running backs that average five and a half yards a carry or more. And my concern is a little bit what we saw from the Tulsa game in that the 3-3-5 is built to defend teams like Memphis, like Central Florida, who do run the ball, but don't run the ball in the, I guess, straight ahead, mono-e-mono type of way. You're muted, by the way.
0: They, they don't run it at you. They, right.
1: Georgia is going to try to run it. Right. So when we talk about like, Hey, the three, three, five keeps it in front of us. And you know, it's really about, you know, keeping them between the twenties. Georgia will very gladly take five to six yards of carry and run it right down our throat. Yeah. So do we see more four man front? Because I'm just not sure with the three man front against a running attack like this, but that that's exactly the way you're going to get it done.
0: I don't know that you necessarily because Marcus has has settled into this three three five as his his base. I I but I but what he has done we saw later in the Tulsa game bringing more linebackers into the box and, and not even necessarily into the box. But I at thought the line of in scrimmage. the Tulsa
1: game they the linebackers in the first half were too wide. Yeah, it wasn't that they weren't close enough to the line. They were almost playing like. On the tackles or outside right. the tackles, and, and Tulsa just said, Okay, we're just gonna run it right up the middle.
0: Yeah, and then and he they kind of shifted them shifted
1: him more over the guards, and that helped, but I still have concern like they're because they'll run two, t- they're a lot like you see, they'll run 12 personnel, they'll put two tight ends in. Yeah, and you're you know it's a concern.
0: I, I don't know that we're gonna see a lot of four-man front. Uh, I think. It will definitely uh, be in the arsenal if you know they need it. They use more of it against Tulsa as that game went on as well. Um, I think that's kind of where the exit of Michael Pitts hurts some, right? Because th- you know, then you could have gone back to the old look with you move Ponder inside, uh, you put Pitts uh, in that other edge spot opposite Majay. And then you've still got, you know, a a pretty formidable defensive line uh, with your four-man front. I think that has shifted some. Um, I think Ethan Tucky's had a great year for what they've asked him to do. But against that offensive line, I worry about, you know, his overall size.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're starting – I mean, they're going to be down Ben Cleveland, who was a first-team All-SEC guard. But, like, they're starting right tackles a a freshman. He's 6'5", 330.
0: They're big. I mean, they're that's very big. That's
1: hundred pounds more than Ethan Tecky.
0: Yeah, very, very big. So, so yeah, I, I, I have concern there because I, I don't think offensively they're going to look at this Cincinnati secondary and say, you know what, we're gonna, we're gonna have J T Daniels just dare them to make plays. No, they I mean, That not doesn't make any
1: sense. Forty times.
0: No. So Cincinnati's gonna have to stop the run on first and second down. I mean, that's to me. That's going to be kind of the the way that this game is decided because Georgia's going to stop the run defensively.
1: Yeah. So we'll moving, get to, the, we'll get to my yeah. thoughts when we flip sides. But yeah. So,
0: but but what I'm saying is they're going to get Cincinnati off the field some pretty quickly, three and outs, or get a first down and then they get a stop. Cincinnati's going to have to return the favor against Georgia's offense. And that's going to have to be by stopping the run. And like you said, if, if they're going for four, five, six yards of carry on first and second down, it's it's going to be uh, a great challenge as your favorite former Tennessee Volunteers head coach would say.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, if I'm Kirby Smart, I'm just con- I mean, he's been incredibly complimentary, but I'm looking at it and I'm going, I'm not throwing until they show that they can stop me from running.
0: Yeah. Maybe I'm throwing on third and four right?
1: I mean, obvious yeah. pass-downs, is yeah, but I'm right. like, all but right, I'm saying. We, do we get to third down? Right. Right. I mean, and they've been good against the run all year. I mean, they're still a, barely giving up, I think, 120 yards rushing on the season, and that's with playing teams that have just can't throw the ball against them, so the only way they could possibly move the ball is running, and there's empty right. yards in there in some games. But it's just a different like, they're Built differently. The offenses are built very, very similar. Like Georgia and UC's offenses, what they want to do is very similar. But nobody, like the same way that nobody in the American is built to stop how UC wants to play, like UC has now changed their defense to stop the way all the other American teams want to play. Right. And that is Georgia wants to, Georgia's basically power spread, which is what I call UC. I mean, they want to run the ball. They play two tight ends. They don't throw it to them the way that UC does with Wiley and Taylor. But I mean, they'll they'll bring extra guys in and they'll put two tight ends in, and it's you know nut crunching time.
0: Yeah, it's it, look. You wanted you wanted big boy football. You're going to get big boy football. This is we're we're going to try to do like all, all, what we do is similar to what you do, and we're going to line up and we're going to try to do it better than you. Because we have better talent.
1: I think the other thing, too, is that I don't think fans shouldn't let like their thoughts or mine and your thoughts on UC and Georgia's places in the college football playoff rankings. That doesn't correlate to what I think of them as a team. Right. Like the college football playoff ranking is about – Who's deserving to play in the national champ in the final four, or who's deserving to be in the fifth, sixth slot, whatever you care about? I didn't think with two losses that they deserved to be ahead of UC until the final week. That said, they are still a very, very, very good football team who only lost to Alabama and Florida, who everybody I think is going to lose to Alabama. And it's not going to be close. And they played a Florida team when they had a guy who should be bartending at your yacht club in the summertime playing quarterback.
0: <laughs> a guy who will soon be bartending like, at your yacht club.
1: The same way that we talk about how much better Dez has got since the USF game, and this is not the same team. You then can't go, well, Georgia lost to Florida and Alabama because they're also not the same team. So if you're going to say that, like, the UC is different because of the steps that Des has taken, you have to also then be fair and say the same thing about Georgia since JT Daniels has played quarterback. Because even though I alluded to some of the defenses that they went against, it is a stark, stark difference. Like, he's a five-star right. player that started at USC as a true freshman and only lost his job because he got hurt. Blew out his knee. And Kirby, I think, deserves kudos for knowing that his quarterback situation sucked and still not putting him in until he felt that he was as healthy as he could be in this season. I don't think when you're chasing a national championship and when the barometer for your program is make the college football playoff, I think that would be exceedingly hard for a head coach to err on that side of caution, knowing that I have a much better quarterback, but it's not in his best interest to be out there right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I there had to be – he had to be like, going to his offensive coaches, like, ready yet? Is he ready yet?
1: And to I the think, doctors. I, I we, think I remember even, him, like, JT Daniels' dad making a comment of, like, we really appreciate the way Coach Smart has handled this. Right. So you know that fans and everybody was screaming, why is JT Daniels not playing? Our quarterbacks right. are atrocious. We scored 14 points against Kentucky, and seven of them were an interception return for a touchdown.
0: That was a bad look that had me questioning the quality of this Georgia team at that moment.
1: Right. So I think that need there needs to be a differentiation between what we thought of their place in the rankings versus what we think of them as a team and as an opponent for UC.
0: Correct. They're very good. Yeah. Very good. I don't, you know, some interactions I've had in Georgia makes it seem like they're the 85 bears. I don't think they're that good.
1: Well, that's just the, that's the SEC mentality.
0: But, but they have a belief if JT Daniels had played this whole season, that they would be in the playoff right now.
1: I mean, they'd have one loss. So would they be in over Notre Dame? because they weren't beating Alabama right. with Matt Stafford at quarterback.
0: <laughs> Joe Burrow?
1: Uh, maybe.
0: <laughs> oh boy. So yeah, you got to you've got to figure out a way to stop the run.
1: You I have mean, to. That's, from a defensive standpoint, that's I mean, that's it. That's the game like, right. If you can't stop the run, then it doesn't make, matter how great your secondary is because they either, A, don't have to really throw it or, B, they're in such advantageous situations that, you know, you give up five, ten yards on a pass play and it's another first down.
0: Right. So, and you let them you let them just kind of settle into a rhythm as they're running the ball right down your and, throat.
1: And, you know, pull a bow constrictor on you.
0: And then you have an offense that starts pressing because they feel like, They have to hit home run plays against a great Georgia defense. This is – are you ready to go to defense yet?
1: Yes. I think their greatness on defense is buoyed exceedingly by the run numbers because against the pass, they're not –
0: They got torched by Alabama and
1: Kyle Pitts. They're not outstanding and – their opt-outs do, will hurt them much more defensively than it will offensively.
0: Yeah, they really um, only got two opt-outs offensively, right? First, Cleveland and in a tight end that is yeah, kind David, of a, okay. Yeah.
1: Um, but yes, I mean, they're giving up 69 yards a game on the ground, which is 20 yards better than the next best team. And they're giving up 2.27 yards per carry. It's just a laughable number. And that's with playing Alabama.
0: Against a UC offense that has struggled to run it up the middle. They have not
1: been very efficient running the ball. And this brings me to my thought on offense is I think they need to have the SMU game plan of throw, 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 run Dez, throw, 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 run Dez.
0: Running against them is an exercise in futility. You have to do it. Just but you're not to, gonna
1: have much success. Right. But you have to you have to do it to keep linebackers from sure. Because you you know, you, you want to be able to do the crossing stuff, and you need to have the linebackers at least think you might run the ball, right? Um but I think this is a throw game for them and a and a run des game. I mean, Jordan Davis at defensive tackle is an absolute game wrecker, Jake Renfro. Better get a really, really good night's sleep tomorrow night. <laughs> because
0: that dude is that 99?
1: I think so. Yeah. I mean, he's every bit of 6'2, 6'3, I mean, yeah. Their defensive ends are 280. I mean, this is a game where the old UC, oh boy, we, we would have had we undersized had, tackles. We would have had large, no linemen yeah. <laughs> way as much or barely as much as the whole Georgia defensive line. Yeah. Um, and still aren't um, far off. No. But yeah, Jordan Davis is that dude. I mean he, he's everything to them from a a run stopping and just when you have a guy like that in the middle, just eats up so much attention. Cause you almost you can't imagine that he's gonna be singled up. No. So there's a double team and it gives linebackers and they've got some good linebackers, N'Kobe Dean is their leading tackler. Uh, Another linebacker, Aziz Aluhari, leading sacker, five and a half sacks a game. But where, where this kind of gets a little interesting is with Eric Stokes opting out as their best corner. He was a Thorpe Award semifinalist. Four interceptions, two of them for touchdowns. And then... Jermaine Johnson opted out. He ended up transferring to Florida State. He had four sacks. Monty Rice, another linebacker, opted out. Third leading tackler. And then Richard LeCount, who by all accounts is one of the best safeties in the country, was in a motorcycle accident midway through the season. He hasn't played since. But before that, had already accumulated three interceptions and four passes deflections i guess he's gonna try to go
0: but it doesn't he's been practicing It sounds even
1: kirby kind of couched his answer about it like yeah he can run in a straight line but there's a lot more to it than just being able to go out there and run right so i'm not sure how much we'll see him but i mean this is where i think you know if you're down your top corner You're, you know, you've been down your, your top safety. Um, So they're used to that, but I think this is from an offensive standpoint, they're going to have to try to make their hay with the tight ends with screen passes and with Pierce over the top and Michael Young kind of in that intermediate stuff. I just, you're not just going to like Jared Dokes is not getting 20 carries, 25 carries. I can't see how UC is successful with him getting 20 to 25 carries and Ford getting 10 carries. Right.
0: Des, your leading carrier, a leader in attempts. Is that dangerous Um, with the speed of this Georgia
1: defense? No, because I think Des has proven that he's, he can run away from dudes. Um, I don't know if I would go as far to say leading carrier because some of that might be just not necessarily design stuff. Um, But like pass efficiency defense, they're fifty sixth in the country. You don't get to you're not fifty sixth in the country because you had one bad game.
0: Right, that's a pattern.
1: They've only forced twelve turnovers. That's sixty seventh in the country. They're 82nd and tackles for loss, so it's not like they're a super disrupt disruptive defensive line. It's like living in the backfield. They just don't let you run the ball, no, so it's, it's run, third and it's run third run and ball. eight. Right. You just don't run the ball. Right. Um, now do these do a couple linebackers not being there have an effect? You know, I don't know. So, maybe there can be a. I mean, UC's a ran, you know, has been a good running team this year. Dez just brings that extra element. I mean, they haven't been efficient, they've accumulated yards. They're over 200 yards a game rushing. Um, But they have not faced a running quarterback. I mean, Bo Nix at Auburn and Terry Wilson at Kentucky would be the most mobile quarterbacks that they have faced this year. And I would not put either of them in the same breath as what Desmond has done this season.
0: Mike did counter your question there by saying the quarterback, whoever was that quarter gal Joey something. Joey Gatewood? Was, Gatewood was uh, was the At running Kentucky? quarterback. Yeah.
1: Oh. <laughs> he played in that game.
0: Yeah, I guess the the what's his name was Hurt. Oh. Terry. Wilson, whatever.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm just passing it along. (laughs) I know. Don't don't shoot the messenger. Keep keep talking. Okay. What would you? What would you like me to talk about? (laughs) The more, I mean, I'm worried about this game because I I am trying to talk myself into ways that they consistently move the football without being able to run it. Right. do we do we see more screen game
1: you have to see more screen game have to see more tight end
0: and because you know they're gonna look at whatever Tulsa did to take away the tight ends and mimic that you would think right, right? If
1: they yeah if they can I mean if you're if it, if it has to do with alignment and formation then maybe you can't necessarily do that
0: right Tulsa's three three five so maybe that's that is you know that allowed them to do some things against the tight end that that Georgia won't be able to do schematically um i just I, i'm trying to figure out ways in my head that this offense consistently works against that Georgia defense because it's so much reliant on beating you up wearing you down
1: i think it's throw on Early downs.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: can't do that for sixty minutes. I don't think. I'm not. I, mean,
0: I mean, think it's, it's a difficult no. way to survive.
1: <clears throat> but if you have some success initially doing that, it inherently has to make them make an adjustment, or else you are going to just keep throwing on early downs. Because if they're going to keep giving it to you, right, you having success, then just like we talked about with. Georgia's just going to run the ball until UC stops them. Well, okay, same thing. Like, if UC has early success throwing the ball on early, on, you know, quote-unquote, rundowns, because they're not an efficient running team, then Georgia's got to make some adjustment to that.
0: Yeah, but even with an adjustment, you've got a monster in the middle of their defense that they might not need more than four guys to stop the run right. I mean you're gonna
1: to have to run outside because regardless and the interior probably run going to be faster the re- interior run game has not been that's where the inefficiency has come this year yes they've done all right when they've run stretch plays or they've got the ball to the outside it's been right up the middle where it's struggled and that's where Georgia would be the right. best at
0: that's strength on weakness so why that's so, that's
1: what worries me right oh I I get it. I mean, you know, UC hasn't seen dudes like this. UC has not played a 330-pound defensive tackle. They have not they, played a 280-pound defensive they have seen.
0: They have seen dudes like this. Yeah, last, last year in Columbus. Yeah, yeah, the last time they saw dudes like this, it went real bad real fast.
1: Yes. Now, I think this team just, in, you know, is way, way better than last year's team.
0: Yes, I do, too. Um, but, I mean, it's still still stuck in my brain a little bit. Oh, well, it has to be.
1: I mean, there's no comparison to anyone that they've played in the, whatever, almost 20 games right. since then.
0: So, is that a rallying point for Luke?
1: I would think so. Like, like. You remember what happened last time we played somebody like this? Yeah. You don't want to put that on film again, right? That's the other thing.
0: This is a individually a huge, huge game for a bunch of dudes wearing red and black, the UC red and black.
1: Well, yeah, this is a legacy game.
0: I, this is an NFL draft game.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, I think, I think that that stuff is, it's part of the equation. But I don't think if like somebody doesn't have a great bowl game that that wipes out testing
0: and look, I don't think it wipes anything out. What I'm saying is though, it it's important. Like it's, it's, it's a measuring stick of here's Desmond Ritter against an elite defense an oh, NFL yeah. looking defense. Here's my Jay Sanders against an NFL looking offensive lineman. Here's James Hudson against, you know, a guy that can get up the field and sack the quarterback. Like for a lot of those guys, what they put on tape here is very important for their future.
1: Oh, for sure.
0: Very important. Because it's
1: like a, here's them playing against other NFL guys. Which,
0: in the American, especially this year, let's face it, outside of UC and Tulsa, the defense sucked.
1: Yes. Sucked. That's that's putting it kindly.
0: Right. So, they're not going to pay much attention to watching those games if you're an NFL scout, right? I mean, they're... You're not going to spend a bunch of time watching what
1: they did. They're, to mem- they're, they're just, yeah, they're just touch points and barometers of like, all right, we want to see this guy do this. Okay, he can do this. Um, so it's yeah, but I mean, I go, I totally agree with what you're saying. Like, you want to put when someone goes into your meetings when you're draft eligible, that you don't want to be like, so what happened against Georgia? Right. You got body bagged all game. We watched the film. Like, you had a nice season, and then you went up against so-and-so, and he he worked you. Right.
0: So, uh, on that front, individually, it's, it's an important game. Like, there's a lot on the line for UC in this game. A lot, far more than there is on the line for Georgia.
1: Oh well, that one hundred percent that, and and I just think like from a from a legacy standpoint, and from like a, not that they care or even know, but like UC has this UC team has been the rallying cry for expand the playoff, right? So not like I said, not that the players care, but like your legacy could be. Expanding the college football playoff if you win this game. Right. Like, I don't know if there's been a, t- a singular team that for the good of the sport has more at line. I think it's going to expand regardless. Like it's just going to happen because there's we, too but, much money. But and
0: the, the difference could be whether the G5 gets a seat at that table.
1: Right. Like if UC wins this game. And then some other things happen. They have a real valid argument that they should get that there should be six automatic spots and two at larges.
0: Right. If UC gets their doors blown off, it's
1: a harder. Why should we invite you to our party? It's a harder, much harder sell.
0: You're gonna have to earn your way into the, the wild, the three wild card spots if you're gonna get there.
1: I think there will there would either be the American would either get an automatic spot, or the uh, top the top-rated G five. I think
0: it. they'd be more than happy saying lawsuits five not, not five happening. conference championships.
1: Lawsuits will come at that point.
0: They'll still guarantee him a spot in the new year six and pay him ninety million dollars to shut uh, up.
1: At that point, you're now it's a
0: five, Dave, autonomous five. I know. Can do whatever the hell they want.
1: Nah, uh, this will be. a Topic when we have our guest next week because he is in he's already been talking about the L word. Okay. It doesn't mean you're gonna win. Oh, they would win. You okay. Okay. Because I, at the, that point you're you're making money off of lies.
0: Which is what they're already doing. But they
1: but they haven't been they haven't been in court yet at that point. I don't think they want any part of that. Um, but yes, it's it is it's a much bigger game for UC. I mean, no question,
0: that's like, not even
1: so. What Georgia loses and they lost in the Peach Bowl, whatever. It was the pandemic year, and we our best quarterback couldn't play until halfway through the season, and guys opted out, and yada yada. Right, it's big. Oh, yeah.
0: Okay, I'll ask you the question that's been been asked of me a couple times this week. Sure. And I think there's two ways to ask this question. Biggest game in UC football history?
1: Um, I mean, I can see both sides of it. I would say... I would say no, just because... Winning the pit game actually gave them a chance to play for a national championship. Um, it didn't happen. The officials in the Big 12, of course, bent to the knee of Texas and put one second back on the clock. But if they let the clock expire or the Texas kicker misses that field goal, They are playing Alabama in the Rose Bowl for the national championship in 2009. There's no committee to say, well, you're only in the Big East, blah, blah, blah. Like They were going to play for the national championship. So I don't know if I can put this game ahead of that, but it would easily be second. Because it would be the capper to what I thought was going to happen, undefeated season, conference championship, um, it would be the capper to what we talked about in the preseason of this is the year that they could potentially scare the, the playoff committee. Now, come to find out it didn't really matter, but it sure fired up a hell of a lot of people to say that they should have de- at least been given a discussion. Maybe not, maybe they weren't one of the four best, but just, but to not have a conversation about them at all, which clearly didn't happen. Cause if you never got higher than seventh, how could you really talk about a team for the, for a 14 playoff? Right. So I would say it's, to me, it's second. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be first just because of what that win meant. Um, and what it could have meant if one play Two plays, I guess, the third down play and the kick. If those one of those two plays goes differently, you're in the national championship against Alabama. Yeah, but you weren't.
0: Right, but I mean, it didn't happen.
1: But you couldn't have been if you didn't win that game. This game, true. If you win win this game, it doesn't. I mean, it's but if you win.
0: But if you but, win this game, you get that New Year's Day bowl game monkey off your back.
1: I mean, I guess they've only had two two chances. I...
0: Oh for two is over two. Yeah.
1: I'm not I'm not holding the sugar bowl against them. It's, it's but it happened. Sure. They would have got
0: smoked in that game with Brian Kelly. Come on. Oh, that, that Florida team was pissed.
1: Who the coach was has nothing to do with it. That Florida team had no business being in that game to begin with. They getting massively upset in the SEC championship game. I mean, that Florida team, I would say, is one of the five best college football teams since that year. I mean, you have this year Alabama. You have last year LSU, you have 2012 Alabama, 27, 2017 Clemson maybe. And that, t- I mean, they, they were ridiculous. So, I mean, I see both sides of it. It's, it's six and one half dozen of the other. I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't tell anybody that they're wrong if they say this game is the biggest.
0: Most important, does that change your answer? Most important game in UC football history to maybe prove
1: it's um, different under
0: Luke Fickle, to prove that uh, while there have been some G5 teams that have kind of rode the wave and flashed in the pan, that this one's built different?
1: Yeah, I mean, you could say that. Um, it would it would be a exclamation point on that. That that line of thought—that you know we're we're trying to build this just like a Georgia or just like an Ohio State, an Alabama, a Clemson. Obviously, you know we're recruiting a different type of player, but we're trying to build a complete football team that has sustainability that can can dominate its league. For years to come, and then also step outside of its league and go toe to toe with the, the true, true blue bloods of the sport, the, the 11 or so teams that have been in the college football playoff since its inception. Yeah, absolutely. That. All right.
0: I, I, as I've explored that question, I've discovered that the, there's two different, there's a different answer if you phrase it differently. And I agree with you there. Like, yeah. the, the the thing is in order to to be the best or the biggest game in UC football history, uh, you got to check a whole lot of marks to pass that pit game for so many reasons.
1: Right. I mean, that was mainly
0: a... because it was a top 10 game in the history of college football.
1: It's up there or not top 10,
0: They, they it was I've rate, officially rated as a top 100 game in the history of the sport. Right. So in order to top that game, you would have to play another top 100 game in the history of the sport. Sure. Odds of that are there have been a lot of games in the history of college football. But yeah. in terms of importance, I mean, it's pretty important for this program pretty, pretty important for this program. So how do you see it going? I'm so torn on this, man.
1: I mean, I'm, I want, I mean, I'm going to stick with what I've said all year. So that's a little foreshadowing. Um, <laughs> but I, I honestly, like, I just, I don't really care about bowl games. I just want to see a great game. Um, like if you see loses by seven or ten points, to me that doesn't say anything. Doesn't change about anything, them, right? Them about what they've done this season. Like that's why I've always looked at this as a win-win. Like now, if you get if you get blown out of the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, that's that's another story. Um, right, and I and I think I see three possible outcomes. I see U C winning by a little. I see Georgia winning by a little, and I see Georgia winning by a lot. I don't see a way U C wins by a lot. So I would agree there. So, am I just being a dumb fanboy at this point, thinking that? This, this, you know, magic carpet ride of a weird-ass 2020 season will continue, because I do see tangible ways that they can win this game. This isn't like a, hey, tell me how Notre Dame's going to beat Alabama without laughing. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's, that's not what this game is. like. I didn't even have to
0: you say a word. You just said it, and I laughed right instinctively. Like, I can
1: tell you how UC can beat Georgia. One thing we know is that the performance cannot look anywhere near what it looked like against Tulsa or you will get run out the damn stadium. Yeah, you better. That's the thing.
0: They have to play the best game they've played under Luke fickle. Yeah. I would
1: agree. I would agree with that. I mean, you can't have anywhere near the number of penalties. can't fumble the ball two times inside your own 35 yard line. You know, yeah, but those types of things just can't happen. I mean, this is this is not, you know, this is not any old opponent.
0: No, this is this is the big time. This is a seat and it, the big but boy. But this table. is
1: what they want. I guarantee. Right? This is what they want. They didn't want to play three lost Florida or North Carolina. Like I, this is the team I have been wanting for the whole season. I'm like, if they can't get to the playoff, I want Georgia in the Peach Bowl. Because I think that gives them that would give them the best barometer of where the program is. And maybe Correct. maybe it gives you a barometer that tells you where the program is and where you want it to go isn't even attainable. Like, there's that's the truth about some of this is like, it doesn't matter. So it might not matter. Like, I mean, look how good Alabama is this year. Like, UC can can do whatever they want and have as much success as humanly possible, and they're not going to be any different than any other team that's going to play Alabama this year. Right. So maybe you just are, you know, there. there's always a pecking order. Maybe Bama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, they're just in this tier that no one else can get to, no matter what. But I still want to see what it looks like. And I know that these guys will be ready. I know that they're ultra competitive. I know that they understand the stage that they're on. And I know that they're supremely confident. Like they're not going to walk out on that field and for one single second think that they can't win. And sometimes yeah. that's more important than actually playing the damn game is because like we saw it against Central Florida two years ago or I guess three years ago now, at Central Florida. They did not think they could win that game. They didn't play like they thought they could win that game. That stage was too big for them at that time. And I don't think that's the case anymore.
0: Yeah. I. Here, Here's the other thing that, that concerns me for a bit, for, for a second. We've seen them need to Along this process, and maybe I've answered my own question here. We've seen them need to stub their toe once before they overcome it, right? They went to the the bounce house. They're having a great season. They got smoked. They took care of it the next year. Uh, You go back to the Navy game where Navy ran for 875 yards, and then the next year they take care of it. They get to the AAC title game against Memphis, they lose, they come back this year and they take care of it. Um, New Year's Day game. I hope it's not the same formula. I hope instead the formula is we played Ohio State last year and got our teeth kicked in and and now we have a better understanding of what it takes uh, to beat one of those teams.
1: Yeah, but, I would think too what they put on tape last week or whenever that was two weeks ago. Yeah. Yes, they won and they were very, very excited, but I guarantee you film was not a pleasant experience.
0: No, they didn't play well. And there's no doubt about that.
1: So you can you can I think still take those same learning experiences from a win. I don't think you necessarily have to get beat or get whooped to then say like, okay, we got to come back and, and exact revenge or whatever. Um, Cause I mean, quite honestly, like a performance anywhere near what they put up against Tulsa and it's not going to be pretty.
0: No, that was a team they should have beat by three, four scores.
1: Yeah. Just like every other team in the league. I mean, that's how much better they were than every other team in the league this year, outside of, the you know the game at UCF right so I mean I'm I'm fired up um, maybe it's just because of the way that my mentality is about bowl games in general and just getting to go to a second football game in basically 365 days I almost don't care about the result I'm just going to enjoy the hell out of it um, but I'm also not on staff and they don't pay me to care about it that much. I, I would assume their mentality is quite different than mine.
0: True. Very at least, true. At
1: least Florida will go ahead and win the award of, we don't give a shit about our bowl game. <laughs>
0: yeah. Sorry. I, I told um, all
1: my buddies that you should probably put the mortgage on Oklahoma.
0: Well, once pits opted out, forget it.
1: Well, Pitts, their top four receivers opted out and now half their defense is out because of COVID and, and, and opt-outs that got announced earlier today.
0: It'll be interesting. Kirby smart has hinted around quite a bit about COVID. It'll be interesting to I, see what he says tomorrow. I think
1: there's going to have some dudes out the way he's talked about it. Yeah. If everything was fine, you would just say everything's fine.
0: He, he has th- said things are not fine and we're not talking about it.
1: Yeah which they're one of the most uh buttoned up no media access very Alabama like program although I think they're worse um Saban will talk to you Kirby like yeah they don't they don't allow anything to come out I mean obviously he learned it from Nick but the difference is Nick has can just give you whatever he wants because what are you going to say
0: right (laughs) Anything else?
1: Uh, should we tell the people about our guests next week or should we go ahead? This, I
0: mean, this is now, this is your deal.
1: All right. We are going to have uh, Stephen Godfrey who has been on the podcast before from banner society. And he has a podcast now, the split zone duo with Alex Kirchner and Richard Johnson. Steven will be joining us next week for, I guess we call it a wrap up edition of the football portion of the podcast but I've got a ton of stuff big picture to ask I him might not
0: say a word in that podcast
1: just about kind of UC's place in the college football landscape what he hears from other coaches and just around the industry about UC uh, he made some interesting comments today on today's podcast uh, regarding Boise State and the Americans so I will be definitely be asking him about that Uh, He's been very complimentary of UC. He loves the G5 and the underdogs. He has done uh, a full-length, very interesting interview with Luke Fickle in 2019, before the 2019 season. Uh, That was when he was part of the PAPN podcast, Ain't Played Nobody, with Bill Conley, who is the proprietor of ESPN's SP Plus that we reference all the time. So I think it'll just be good to kind of get the outsider's perspective, but of someone who is familiar with the program, and just kind of ask some of those bigger picture questions that have definitely uh, come to the surface, thanks in part to you seeing their performance this year.
0: I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, I probably am not going to get much uh, word, many words in Edgewise with you talking to Stephen. That's like your favorite guy. If you had a man crush, it would be on Stephen Godfrey.
1: Oh, maybe. I mean, he's a, <laughs> you know, he's, he lives in Tennessee, which I obviously have spent some of my life in, and he likes the Bearcats, even though he says that he hates your team. Quote, uh, yeah. Quote, your team. I'm going to ask him. I'm going to say, I'm going to call him on. I'm going to say, I don't think you actually hate the Bearcats. So.
0: <laughs> All right, basketball we will see. news. Basketball news John Brandon announced on his coach's show. Rapolis Ivanovskis has opted out of this season uh, for COVID issues, COVID concerns, according to John Brandon. And Mamadou Diara is back. He has opted back in. He's been practicing with the team since Sunday, uh, and he will or is expected to be av- available Saturday versus Tulsa. Uh, in other news, Brandon said Mason Madsen is out of his boot and they're going to be working to get him uh, back ready to be uh, available for this team in the not too distant future. I know there's a lot of rumors about Gabe Madsen. Coach Brandon did not address Gabe Madsen uh, today in his coach's show. So that's the
1: news. What are the rumors about Gabe Madsen for the... On our, board, on our board,
0: the rumors are that Gabe is not with the the program right now. I do not have that confirmed or denied.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Um, those so are the things
1: rumors. Are, things are on the up and up for the round ballers is what you're saying.
0: I mean, you start two and five, things go a little funny. <laughs> That's, I guess
1: my question is, is this about to be two and eight? Uh,
0: You know, I I, I, I thought things, it tells told, it told us a tough read because even back to last year, and we've seen it some this year, they're a beast at home and they are sometimes incredibly bad on the road. So we'll yeah. see, but they beat Houston last night. So, right. <laughs> uh, and then at SMU at Wichita state, SMU only beat Temple by seven today. That has me scratching my head a little bit. I don't think we know much about SMU yet. Um, Do we know much
1: about anyone in anyone? this league? Like, is there no. is anyone good? Houston's good outside of Houston, that. Well, I mean, is Houston good? They can't shoot. They have
0: Sasser. So they've got one guy that can shoot.
1: I mean, Kayla literally, their offense not a shooter. is Quentin Grimes creating his own shot or get the offensive rebound.
0: Yeah. Um, so I, I don't – I think Houston's good, uh, mainly because they – stop me if you've heard this before – mainly because they defend and they rebound.
1: Do we wonder at what point why Caleb Mills – doesn't start
0: uh they like his scoring off the bench i suppose it's a very odd situation to when you not have start trouble scoring
1: player. shouldn't you put the guy in that scores the best on the team and like from the beginning <laughs> you
0: would think you would think that's a curious curious situation
1: that's like but, <laughs> our best our best running back we're not going to put him in until the second quarter
0: yeah um Who's the second best team in this league? Uh, maybe SMU. Maybe UCF.
1: Jesus I, Christ, is that where we're at? I think that's where we're at.
0: I think is, that's is, is USF good. Nah, they're they're okay.
1: Didn't they? Did they win again? Did
0: did, they beat, I think they. I think they did end up winning last night. Did they
1: beat Memphis? I, hold on. This is great radio when. You're talking. You're, uh, you're talking to someone that hasn't watched a whole lot of basketball this year. Uh
0: no, Memphis won by one. At oh. 58-57.
1: Mm, I bet that was a thriller.
0: <laughs> I know. I was. I was doing a bunch of stuff last night, and at one point, I looked over, and South Florida's up like fourteen.
1: I mean, if if it if if it doesn't end before like eight thirty, I'm asleep. So. Right, you know, I'm not seeing it.
0: (laughs) Wichita State, I mean, they they won by five at South Florida on the 22nd. Uh, so going to Wichita State, and I I, I don't know, Dave, I don't know. Could it be two and eight? Yeah, could it be five and five? No, probably not. (laughs) Come on, probably not. Uh, three and three and seven. Four and six. Four and six. I'm, I, I'd be happy with four and six. <laughs> How about you? Sure. <laughs> two sure. and one. That's two and one over the next. Yeah. Uh, the next. Hey, three. Just
1: just win. What do we always say in the Big East? Like just win the week. Right. Because if win you win the week, you moved up like four spots in the right. in the you know standings. If you just won the week, that's Xavier
0: is in uh, on pace to lose the week right now.
1: Oh, did they lose a game already?
0: Uh, they lost to Creighton.
1: Oh, that's right. Uh,
0: what was that, Friday? Sure. Thursday? Some, some some crap like that. Uh, now? And uh, Seton Hall's up 62-46 with 10 minutes to go.
1: How is that possible? Seton Hall doesn't have any good players anymore.
0: Seton Hall went on a 15-0 run to end the half.
1: Oh, okay, that'll it. Be... Um... <laughs>
0: yep, yep, that'll do it.
1: Yeah. Oh, so... Are you, you're on the radio again tomorrow? Yes. Are you going to have me on as I, as I head to Atlanta?
0: Uh, I, I had Brent on today. See,
1: this is like the second or third time you've had Brent on and you've never had me on.
0: It's the first time I've had Brent on.
1: Somebody, well, did Mo have him on the other? Mo had him on
0: to talk recruiting.
1: Ah, okay.
0: So Mo, Mo called, Mo every signing day has Bill Green on, right? right. This, is a, this is a funny story. So Mo called Bill Green to, to line up Bill Green for signing, or Taryn or Mo, one of them, I think Taryn, called Bill Green to line Bill Green up for signing day. And Bill Green's like, eh, I'm not really doing that gig anymore. I'm mostly just doing this Ohio State stuff. Um, so you're probably better off like going in a different direction. Here, I got a guy, let me give you his number. And then they sent it, Bill sent him my number. And Mo was like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah we know we know chad
1: we're we're, we're familiar (laughs) with
0: his work uh so i was already scheduled to be on thursdays my normal thursday spot so mo was like can you give me anybody to break down the recruiting class and i was like well brent did do the recruiting stuff at the start of this class uh and he's he's done a bunch of stuff in the bounce do you have two, two
1: segments carved out for him
0: he yeah um they just did one but Mo was very happy. He was very happy with Brent's performance. And Brent was pretty good today. We'll see tomorrow. I Tomorrow, I'm not – I don't know. I, I'm probably going to do a lot. Of, it's New Year's Eve. I'm going to do a lot of, like, year-end review stuff for each of the uh, local teams.
1: Yeah, because they a lot of the local teams had just sterling 2020s.
0: I mean, <laughs> UC football is undefeated. Okay. The basketball yeah. team won a conference championship.
1: So it's a U.C. Uh, calling show, is what you're saying.
0: Uh, the Reds made the playoffs. The, the Bengals drafted Joe Burrow. Wow, well, these are they, all things that the Bengals that are.
1: I mean, I'm the biggest Joe Burrow homer in the world, <laughs> and you're gonna we're gonna give the Bengals credit for that. <laughs> I'm not
0: saying they get credit. I'm saying they did it.
1: True. Oh, by the way, your your segment today with. We're talking a little draft, you know. I'm such a I'm a huge draft dork. Yes. I'm last, interested in this. Last year, what did I say? Who was driving the Joe Burrow train? You. And I've been driving the Jamar Chase train for about as long as the Joe Burrow train. It's huh? there's really no reason to do anything else.
0: Concerns that he's not a burner. Everybody uses the term burner. They want a burner. Is that a
1: pothead? He's, he's the best wide receiver in the draft.
0: And he has an insane connection with Joe Burrow.
1: Well, he's, yeah. I mean, just like, great. He's maybe not as fast as Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith. Okay. You
0: you, you don't you, like my Kyle Pitts.
1: I do like Kyle Pitts. Um, I don't like him more than... Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, and Devonte Smith, but I love Kyle Pitts. I love the problems that a player of his like. It, here's here's the way I look at a tight end. Like everyone's gonna be like, well, you don't take a tight end in the top ten, blah blah blah. So if you got to redraft right now and you could get Travis Kelsey, you you wouldn't take him with like the seventh pick.
0: Did you listen to my segment with Austin? Yeah. Gale. He's lined up like 60 snaps right. at wide receiver, 57 snaps in the slot. Like, he's not a tight end.
1: They need dudes. He's a freak. They need dudes. I know they need an offensive line. And yeah, sure. If Penny Souls there, I wouldn't question one second of them taking him.
0: But there's not another top 10 offensive lineman in this draft.
1: Well, and also, why does anyone think that just we're just going to put another rookie out there and he's going to be great? Like, you need grown ass men who have played offensive line in the NFL, right? Drafting Penny Sewell. Sure. He might be generational, but I don't know how much he necessarily helps you in 2021.
0: I think Austin has the perfect mentality on this. You know what you look for average to above average linemen that aren't going to cost you what an elite lineman costs you. Because what did we see with Joe Burrow as he got situated and as he got settled? You don't. He need made it. he made a terrible offensive right. line average.
1: You don't need. So if elite. you have an average offensive line, he can make them great. You don't need elite. You need your floor raised. Right. It's not about the top end. It's about the floor. So I'm all like when you have a Joe Burrow, and I, and I said this when they had Carson Palmer in the you know first half of his career you owe it to that guy every draft in the first three rounds to draft him some weapon,
0: kind of weapon?
1: Whether yep. it's tight end, wide receiver, running back, every single year.
0: I know this has devolved into a Bengal podcast uh, at the end that people are <laughs> going to get really annoyed. There's going to be a lot of comments about this. But look, AJ Don't Green, A.J. Green's gone. So your weapons are effectively – T Higgins who's going to be outstanding and Tyler Boyd
1: and Those Auden are your Tate, weapons Auden Tate's a good number four, right? Auden Tate's not a weapon. Like he's, he's a weapon, but he's a specialty item. I'm talking, like, right. I'm talking about a frontline yeah. weapon. If you, if you draft Jamar chase, you have a top five wide receiving crew in the NFL.
0: Chase Higgins,
1: Boyd, Boyd with the quarterback. And three above average to top fifteen running backs. They all do something different.
0: Yeah. I say go get a toy.
1: And and then you can like I just I'm not big on the like what are you gonna get more out of next year? Jamar Chase or Penny Sewell?
0: Jamar Chase.
1: Right. They're not fixing the offensive line. Like Penny Sewell was a part of fixing the offensive line. They would still need to go out and get multiple free agents and probably draft another offensive lineman somewhere in the middle rounds.
0: As, as, uh, as uh, Austin Gale said, the, the key to this Bengals offseason is finding a way to get rid of Bobby Hart, just to not have him yeah, in the I mean, room anymore. That
1: sounds. Um, <laughs> In listening to Paul Daner Jr. and Jay Morrison's podcast, Paul is like 100%. He put it at Bobby Hart's gone. Jim Turner oh. gone? If Jim Turner's not gone, that's not good for Zach Taylor in 2021. I'll just
0: say <laughs> so, All right. Good. All right. That's enough Bengals. People are going to get really mad at us. For oh,
1: whatever. That. It's 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 football. Fun. what
0: what okay i'll bring it back what what member of this bearcats team should the bengals draft
1: Ahmad um, uh, Gardner.
0: well not this uh, he, uh, this year <laughs> this year
1: oh uh, let's see draft eligible players we don't know what james hudson or my sanders is going to do um I would say Derek Forrest because I don't, I don't love Von Bell. Um, and I think he would be a solid addition to the roster because they're going to release Sean Williams. And I just, I didn't, I didn't see it from Von Bell this year that I, like I thought I would. So I would say Derek Forrest would be my, Top realistic um, draft-eligible Bearcat for the Bengals. Oh, and, and James Smith, because Kevin Huber's like like 100 years old, and it would be nice to just draft. Even though he's still great, it would be nice to get another UC punter for the Bengals. So the the like, Huber
0: thing worked out well for them. I would say James,
1: James Smith would be number two.
0: James Smith is going to punt in the NFL for dot, dot, dot years. 15-plus. Uh, <laughs> what, if
1: you're a good punter you can basically punt as long as you want as long
0: as your leg works you can yeah. punt pat mcafee's knee blew out so he had to step away <laughs> as long <laughs> as you can.
1: i think he's doing all right
0: yeah he figured it out he figured out the post the post nfl stuff um all right uh we'll wait for the prediction uh i guess we're gonna need those tomorrow night new year's eve we'll drop the prediction story um got a lot of content coming this we've got brent's tulsa preview we've got five questions with michael griffith from the atlanta journal constitution uh we've got the prediction threat or uh, article a lot of stuff coming between now and kickoff at noon
1: on friday are we gonna keep talking football throughout like uc's kind of at the level where Deserves constant football coverage. I, I, How are we going to th- do this?
0: I think between um, the end of the season and the spring, I want to do at least every other week. I don't know that we'll have every week. Right. Uh, I think we play that by ear. If there's a week, there's a lot going on. We, we do football. If there's a week that there, there's not a lot going on, uh, we'll skip it into, and then we'll do two weeks worth of content. Uh, I think it deserve. It's at a point it deserves minimum, twice a month for us to do a, a, a football, maybe not a full hour, but like no, I don't even think minutes. it gets
1: to a full hour. But I mean,
0: we get to a full hour, uh, not even realizing what we're doing. Dave. Right. I, I looked down and we were at forty eight minutes There's in just, this podcast. I mean,
1: college football anymore? There's just so much that goes on that either is directly related to UC or kind of you know somewhat related so it's a uh it's a beast
0: it is i mean it's it's growing into a, a situation where it just means more and we have to talk about it all the time it does we'll Thank see you. how much more it means friday at one how about that for an ending? i'm
1: just glad that it's not how about gonna... that for
0: an ending damn it that was smooth it was all right go ahead you're just glad what
1: that it's not going to be warm enough to where i got to see all these juice boxes running around in their short polo show <laughs> at,
0: at the game. What, what's the temperature in Atlanta it's for the rain, oh, It's
1: supposed to pour down rain from the minute, like from now until Saturday. Okay. And be in like the 50s. So I don't have to worry about croakies and sun rainbow flip-flops and all the crap from college that made me hate their guts so much.
0: <laughs> all right. Uh, by the way, I guess the Xavier score. Uh, 69 to 50. Seton Hall 81. If Seton Hall has 81. How much does Xavier have
1: 56.
0: 81 to 56.
1: That's not great. No, nope, it isn't.
0: And with that, we're going to wrap it up. Go to the Holy grail on Friday. Watch the Bearcats take on Georgia in the Peach Bowl. Stay tuned to Bearcat Journal for continuing coverage throughout. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Dave Simone. This is the BCJ podcast brought to you by the Holy Grail right here on BearcatJournal.com.